Welcome to the Space of the Waste, featuring host Melody Edmondson. Do you struggle with the right look to complement your body shape? Have you tried so many different looks and styles only to be disappointed time and again? You've landed on the right program. We'll show you how to make the right style work in your favor. Now, here is Melody Edmondson. Welcome to the Space of the Waste. That's my show here on Voice America's Variety Channel. I am your host, Melody Edmondson. I have Molly Hall with me today. She's a fabric designer and extremely talented artist. Um, she to us from Montreal, Canada, and I am just happy to have her on the show today. Um, Voice America has over 50 million listeners a month, and we're in over 100 languages. So if Natalie breaks out in French at any time, we'll let her continue and carry on. But we welcome, and hopefully many will be listening today to learn and know about this fantastic uh, fabric designer. Natalie, I want to... Uh, just give a little rundown on background a little bit. She uh, is based over 20 years of experience and graduated from the Institute of Arts and Crafts with a diploma in fabric design. And she studied design, fashion marketing, and business, and trained in color theory, textile design, ancient dyeing techniques. Um, can't wait to hear what that is. Silk, silk screening and direct application, boutique block print. Her professional career started at one of my favorite dance companies, De Soleil, and she spent 12 years in their, their textile department. That is just fabulous and honorable. Kudos to you, Natalie. Seven of years were spent as head dyer, where she honed her skills in color composition, hand screen printing, and freehand application. Experience was priceless for her and, and developed her expertise in the entire textile process. One thing that drew me, Natalie, so much is that she she expresses her style as a maximalist. And I am one of those creatures as well. And she also gravitates toward warm color palettes, which I do too. And now that I've seen her, I see her hair and eye and skin color were duplicates on that as well. We're kind of like twin souls in some way. She loves rubies, reds, and emerald green. And she finds deep color palettes that are brought to life with soft pastel colors. And I love that juxtaposition. Uh, contrast and playfulness she enjoys and sparks interest and makes things fresh and new. And I think that is very interesting. You can have her prints on any type of product important thing for her is that they find themselves on useful objects and she wants her prints to be part of everyday life 
And for Natalie, beauty should be enjoyed. So if that means my piece is age with time, she's happy to admit that. Life is meant to be, and she has a collection launched very soon. And you can find it on her website. So write this down, Natalie, N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E, Hall Design.com. And at the Fabric Club. .ca. So I'm so proud and happy to introduce Natalie Hall. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to hear, excuse me, to hear all about your endeavors. And I know that uh, the United States has some of your fabrications as well. And I'm just excited for all about all about your your fabric, uh, <laughs> what fabrics you have, and how you do them, and kind of your journey where you are today, such a success. Well, thank you so much, and honestly, thank you so much for having me on your show. I I really appreciate it, and we had a previous conversation before taping, and I do think we're soulmates. <laughs> I just see it in the door in the background, and there's there's totally, uh, uh, we totally have uh, the same type of uh, love for the same type of aesthetic. Um, and our love my, for William Morris. Yeah, a love for William <laughs> Morris. <laughs> painting in the background. Yeah, absolutely. We actually left off on, on the fact that I, I recently uh, was gifted uh, a piece that was very, very generous to, to, to give to me. There's this uh, famous painter in the city that I live and she wanted to find a home for this William Morris print, textile print. And uh, she was gracious enough to uh, to give it to me, and so I'm going to be the carrier of this uh, this magnificent uh, silkscreen print uh, for years and years to come. And my boys are very aware that they need to keep it <laughs> as a family heritage for the years after. This needs to keep it to stay in the family, but uh, it just goes to show them I'm so passionate that people are are now. Um, yeah, gifting me with incredible gifts. So I, I feel very, very privileged. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Tell us, I think it's beautiful. Tell Thank us uh, a little bit about um, areas that sort of transcend into the textiles and how you, uh, what you love about doing it. Is it? Yeah. First comes the cut fabric and the the uh, material you want to use, and then the color, and then the embellishment, or what have something in mind first. Actually, um, what's really I think particular with textile design is I think people who who are textile designers or who are really passionate by by textile design, it's it's usually the shape that comes that comes first. I think our minds are wired to, to see puzzles everywhere because textile design is kind of a puzzle because it has to repeat, um, you know, when it's printed, it has to have this beautiful flow within the print. So when I'm on a walk or, or just even just walking into a new space, I usually, my eye will catch these little glimpses of shapes and different colors. And, 
and that that's what's going to spark an idea um, of what what next print I might start working on. And uh, I think I've always been like that, but I I, I wasn't uh, when I was a kid. I used to make these little shapes that would repeat, you know, when I was drawing, and that's something that I used to do a lot of. And um, and it took me a while to understand that that was really uh, the perfect place for for that type of brain was textiles because that's truly a world where mathematics uh, live with art. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, it's just. I find that textiles is just so wonderful because again, like you said in my introduction, for me, it's, it's the fact that you can use it and surround yourself with it, uh, whether it be in your decor or on your clothes or, you know, textile design is, or, or just print design is everywhere. It's truly everywhere. It's around us every single day. And so I love that it's part of our daily life. Yes, I agree. Yeah. It's in nature. You go on a walk and yeah. you see all of the gore- gorgeous greens and the flowers. And well, me too, I see lots of pandai and and lots of things like that. And I think yeah. it does stimulate your mind. I just was reading about cactus leather now. I, I'm not going to be running out and buying any, but I think it's a wonderful idea if they can use cactus that have rotted and can't yeah. be used anymore and they're already dead to go and use the cactus and, you know, recycle it in that way. But I'm with you. There's nature and beauty and patterning absolutely yeah. all around us. And I think more and more people, I think I've seen some really interesting furniture design lately. And I think it happened during COVID and people went out, you know, took some walks with or without their masks or in some clean air. And they started looking at texture because I've seen more interesting woods like uh, my niece, Tiffany Bodenhammer, just redid her office in her home and she has this incredible wood desk with a little bit different design desk and then it raises up a little and then has a top on it and then she has a sideboard to correlate it's just very interesting and i had yeah. never seen a wood grain a wood making like that in bronze i've seen it of course on fabrics but to have a three-dimensional wood is you know cool i think yeah and i think uh, and i think you you've said something important uh you know uh, i think uh, the pandemic gave time for people to pause and maybe look a little bit more around uh, around uh, and absorb their surroundings and and yes, it's that's you know that's exactly like the process of a textile designer, uh, and I think a lot of designers, just in general, I think if you have a designing mind, and uh, you know you you have to take time to stop and and look around you to get inspired because um, there's really uh, so much inspiration in in just nature, um, and it's it's important to take the time to to just. Uh, surround yourself with beautiful things and and with that comes inspiration absolutely tell me a little bit uh about what was your process 
there at Cirque du Soleil. So many of our listeners know who they are and love their costumes and fabrics and everything. Tell me what your process was. So basically, I was lucky enough that when I graduated uh, from textile design school, um, after three years, I was lucky enough to, to be hired at the Cirque du Soleil. Um, I already had a big bunch of people that I knew that were working there because a lot of the people that work in the textile department at the Cirque are the people that come from the same school as I do. And, wow. uh, but not everybody gets chosen to work at the Cirque. So I was part of this, this lucky crew of people. And the Cirque du Soleil is truly incredible. Um, I, I still, to this day, I think, think about it at least once a day, um, my experience over there. And just sometimes I would still wake up in the morning and feel like going because it was yes. just a wonderful place to go to work to. It was truly a family. And basically, everything is done by hand over there. And I think that what people have to understand is that they, they truly make each and every costume custom to each and every artist that go on stage. Wow. And not only that, but the costumes have to be remade and redone over and over and over again because of the nature of what they do on stage. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the, the costumes don't last very long because they're going to break. If somebody's sliding on the floor or they're like in the show, oh, they're jumping in the water, the chlorine's going to damage the costume. So it's truly a process of redoing over and over and over. And that's especially what I was doing. So in terms of like the dyes, I was in the, the dyeing department for seven years uh, and I loved it. I really, really loved it. Your, your eye becomes very um, good at determining if there's, you know, a little bit, a little too much blue, a little too much yellow, a little bit. Too yeah, much just a little. Yeah, yeah, you pick up on the little nuances that I think most people would would not see, but your your eye sharpens. Yes, you have to nail it. Every single costume on that stage has to be. Perfect. And I think that's really what's made their their strength throughout the years is that uh, there's no compromise at the Cirque du Soleil. When something's not good, it doesn't make it on stage. And um, and and I and I really did appreciate that process of constantly striving to to do your best. Reach your own bar, pass up your own bar. (laughs) Exactly. And there's something to be said about repetition. And I think a lot of people will associate that with, with something that's boring. But on the contrary, it's, it's like the Zen, the, it's a Zen practice of basically just honing your skill. And every day yes. waking up and thinking to yourself, I'm going to make it better than yesterday. Yes. And, uh, you know, that, that's something that I, I personally really loved. And I'm going to give you a really concrete example um, I almost for a year's time um, was painting the, these individual costumes and they took eight hours to paint. And every day you go into work, you pin your costume on the table and you start painting this costume. And when you finish your day at five o'clock, your, your costume is finished and that's for one artist. And then the next day you start over again, but it's a new artist. But if the day before you went a little bit over your line or, 
or the 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 dye when the the yellow went a little bit too much in the blue and you had to fix that and you know you, you think about that all evening and then the next day what your 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 whole um your whole day revolves around trying to make sure that this one is even better than the last and it's it's this truly this this again zen practice of just trying to make things uh perfect and that's Absolutely. something that i love yes and it's the same energy that the performers have yes. because i have never gone i have been to so many Cirque du Soleil and in mostly in vegas because yeah. i'm in tucson and that's where I can go, but we, we did see them, I think somewhere else, John and I went, not quite sure where we went. I might have been uh, New York or Chicago or someplace, but anyway, every time I've gone, I have just loved them and their costumes because there's a whole entire synergy going on and they have to be able to move around in those clothes. And I have yeah. been amazed by the costumes <laughs> and how they can move in them and how they flow when they're supposed to, or when, you know, it, it just is amazing. And what a way to start. I mean, you started at the yeah. top, you <laughs> must have had some portfolio that they were really intrigued by. Well, to I, get your I, job there—that must have been difficult. Yeah, you know, it's uh, again. I was very fortunate, and I was—I I was really surrounded by a team of extremely talented people. Um, I think my personal um, skill set is—I'm a good follower of rules, um, and uh, I'm extremely perfectionist. And I take direction well, and um, which makes it that I, I don't get easily offended if I'm not or doing something right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not very egocentric. So I, you know, if somebody sees me doing something and I'm not supposed to be doing it that way, I want to be told. So I'm very teachable that way. Okay. And I think um, that's I rare. Have- that's rare for creatives. <laughs> They're usually very. I mean, I've known a lot of very, very, very creative people, love them all. <laughs> and I have to say, I'm a little bit creative, nothing like you, not even close to my mother or you, but I get a little pissy if somebody wants to change something I've written. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I have to try to sell them on it. And then if they have a better idea, if they really can do it better and say it better and have a better idea, okay, I'll be the first to say, you know what? You're right. That's better. (laughs) But uh, it wasn't that often that (laughs) that happened. It was usually me fighting and then saying, I don't think we can work together. And that is not good. So I admire you. You Sounds like you probably went to the Juilliard of of uh textile fabric university i think that (laughs) helps too because uh you like and uh, what was the name of it it's called so i'm it's going to be in french because i am in quebec so it's le centre de design et d'impression textile de montréal so basically what that is is the center of design and textile printing of montreal but it's uh, it's a school, so it's it's a it's a college program, and uh, 
within this college program, you have uh, multiple disciplines. You can be doing woodworking, jewelry making, um, you know, uh, glass blowing. And I chose textile design. So basically my days were uh, spent, I spent my days uh, with like in the, in the, we call it an atelier. How do you call it in a, what is an atelier? A workshop, sorry. So we spent our days in the workshop and we got our hands dirty and we, you know, we were surrounded by other creatives and our teachers were amazing. And what was really nice is that you do build this rapport with your teachers where it felt very equal. And at the same time, they had so much to teach us. And, uh, yes. and again, I, I take direction well. So I would sometimes start uh, a project, maybe not understanding as well as other people around me and by asking questions and digging and digging I I usually by the end of the project would be on top because I always strive to learn and to do better and to to and I was a crazy person I would leave school at 10 o'clock at night you know I eventually got the keys to school (laughs) because they would let me stay there forever they let me get in on the weekends and work on my projects uh, they were very trusting with me uh, because I, I would it. put in the hours. I would just really put in the hours. Because you want, you had a vision, and it yeah. had to meet your vision. Is that exactly? I ate it up. I really did. I ate it up. I loved every single second of it. Um, oh, fabulous! And uh, I just truly had found my home because previous to textile design, I did I did fashion design. And I also did fashion marketing and I love those two things as well, but it wasn't clicking as much for me. And uh, I was lucky enough that I had a teacher while I was studying in, in, uh, in, um, in fashion design. And she, she saw my talent for, for making prints because we had to make prints in the, in the drawing, uh, in the drawing class, when you draw those little, the little clothes, you know, you also, she gave us some projects to make textile design designs to go on those clothes. And she gave me my first hundred percent on, on a print that I had made. And she kept me after school and she's like, Natalie, you know, um, she's like, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there is a school in Montreal that you can study just this. And I truly think that that's your calling. And honestly, I I still thank her to this day because uh, it was absolutely my calling. She nailed it. And without this wonderful person that, that recognized that in me, uh, I would have probably uh, walked right by it uh, without ever knowing that that existed. Um, and so, yeah, and so that's how everything started. And it's, it's, it's been that's over just 20 years. irreplaceable to have someone. Yeah. Because when you're doing it, you think you're pretty good or you think you can do this, but you don't know particularly where you're number one talents are like, Mm -hmm. you know, you might think you're good at buying or merchandising or designing. Yeah. And like, are you a merchant or are you a designer? Are you really someone that can come up with ideas that have never been done before? And to me, this is just me. And with Mm -hmm. a little help from my massage therapist, who's the one that told me, she says, Melody, you're not your mom. Your mom thinks up things 
that have never, ever been thought up before and Mm -hmm. never been made. Now, you can do things similar to things you see, like I do my mood boards and I do this, and you can do some nice things. But you didn't think up the next mousetrap. You didn't think up the new ribbon. You didn't think up, you know, like I think about 50 years ago or more than that now, uh, 58 years ago, my mother thought up making clothing for the elderly that had um, Velcro and, and easy snaps for people that have arthritic because, you know, she had gone to a lot of nursing homes to see her elderly relatives and saw how they were having trouble and they love clothes. And another, that's amazing. I mean, she didn't didn't do it, but I tried to get the idea out there through some corporations, but I was in college or just out of college. Then the other thing she thought up was, designing luggage when you bought a car, designing the luggage that exactly fits into the trunk, many pieces, you know, toiletries, a smaller one that matched your car, went into your car and fit perfectly. And I just thought that was genius, you know, but, but there's many other things. She designed chairs for all of her great grandkids that were bears they look like a bear and then she clothed them according to their personality or their <laughs> likes. And the children just love those chairs. And the thing is she could do everything herself. Yeah. On that particular project, she just, she did have a wood maker make the chair and then she painted it. But in everything else, like all of my clothes for prom or homecoming, she could just, She didn't use pattern. She just thought up an outfit and sent it to me to school, sent it to me to college and it would fit me like a glove, you know, and that kind of talent I certainly don't have and neither does anyone else in my family. So when that goes away, that goes away. Yeah. That's very sad. And her mother, but it's a beautiful, at least it leaves a legacy though. I, I think because see, you're talking about it with emotion and it's, it brings back oh, yes. memories. And I think that's exactly oh, yeah. what these types of creative uh, outlets give us. It's, it's a legacy. Yes. They live, they live way longer than we do. Uh, oh, absolutely. And you have sons, you said, are they yeah. talented like you are? <laughs> well, you know, are they creative or are they more football players or something. I I guess, I guess I would say that they're, they're definitely creative. Hayden, the oldest who's 19, he's just incredibly musical. So he's Mm. the kid that taught himself how to play guitar and got really good, really fast and plays piano. And, and he draws amazingly. He's always had a really big talent at drawing and his, his talent is a little bit more engineer ish than mine. He'll draw cars and, and stuff like that. And Elliot is more, Elliot is 13 and Elliot is more of a dreamer. He's the, he's the kid that, uh, that wants to do theater. He's the kid that wants to dream up of screenplays and, and wow, uh, yeah, very talented, great ideas, Dear really boy. great ideas, and very sensitive and very <clears throat> um, aware of his environment. 
Um, so yeah, definitely the kids are, are, um, are creative. I would say they're, they're creative, but maybe more, um, yeah, like I said, engineering in my, in my husband's family, uh, there's a lot of engineers and those types of brains. And so I think they got a really good mix. Left brain, right brain mix. Yeah. Yeah. I got, that's kind of what happened to me. I'm not as creative, but I was always good in math. And that's why I went into buying and merchandising, you know, and uh, my dad was very, very brilliant. My mother was very, very brilliant in another way and creativity. So I kind of got way more of a balance. So uh, I'm not as creative (laughs) and I'm not as smart as my dad. So there you go. (laughs) But anyway, to talk to people, but I do have the gift of gab. I do have the gift of gab, which they, they both are pretty (laughs) good at that. You know, I lost my father when I was only 42. So that was just a real turning point in my life and the saddest day of my life. But I try to, you know, keep him alive in me by, you know, uh, trying to continue to make him proud of me. And so when his stories, yes. Yeah. I want to ask you a little bit more about some of the uh, things that you do with your printing. Let's talk about that because haven't had anything like that on my (laughs) show before. Well, uh, I'm super happy you're asking me because I've been working uh, relentlessly, as I'm known to, so (laughs) not a lot of sleep. Um, I've been working on actually uh, creating uh, a a quilting fabric collection that will be launching in uh, in spring in the States and in Canada. It's going to be in retail fabric stores all over the States and Canada. So people will be able to go on my website to see because uh, I have a beautiful team of uh, sales, uh, sales reps that are right now they're repping the collection and they're putting it in all the stores. It's it's going to be in Arizona. And, yay! Uh, yay! Which store and do you know? I don't know the names of the stores yet, but what's going to happen is as we go along, we're going to I'm going to add the list to the website. So oh, good. Good. I know we have Joe, I think Joanne's, but there's another one. There's another big fabric store and, um, uh, I'll have to find out what it is. I don't know. But it's we had definitely to... going to be in those stores. Those are the yes. stores that we're aiming, and my sales rep uh, that's doing Arizona and uh, Nevada, okay. uh, just has a wonderful connection with her stores, and so she's working very hard yay. to sell the collection over there. But uh, yay, it's yay, been yay. yeah, it's been amazing. I've uh, I I have this wonderful team of people that are. Um, that are are giving it a go and i'm very lucky because in the industry in the quilting industry um you know there there isn't a lot of players like me that are independent textile designers who are choosing to to go on the route of doing it on our own usually you're going to be under a big banner like uh like free spirit or Wyndham or moda What's um, the Spoonflower? Is- well, so Spoonflower is a little bit different because they do the digital printing part. So I, I could still do business with Spoonflower, but these bigger companies that that uh, that uh, house uh, the textile designers are are much much bigger than me. 
And I've personally, because, because a little bit like you, I have buying experience. I have experience being in merchandising. So I've done business with the mills. I found myself a wonderful mill in South Korea. Um, because I have all of this experience, and I'm also like you in the terms of I'm, I'm right brain and I'm left brain, because I'm also very business. And, uh, and I've always dreamt of owning my own company. And, uh, and you know what, I just, uh, because I have the skills to do it on my own and to venture on my own, I, I'm just doing it. <laughs> Good for you. And I, here's another uh, soul sister. <laughs> I loved the fabric in South Korea. That was my yes. place. I bought dong silks. That's where I got all of my silks when I was buying for a huge buying office in New York. We had 300 some stores and they had either one to 300 stores. But the silks over there were yeah. amazing. And what other fabrics? The quality, the quality is amazing. Well, you it know, it's is. that you're talking about silks because uh, right now I'm, I'm working on the quilting collection, but Eventually, me and my husband, we'd like to launch a, a, um, a sleepwear collection made out of silk. Yes. And so that's because silk is also one of my personal favorite, favorite fabrics. Yes. And so and you're totally right. South Korea is almost unbeatable when it comes to, uh, to, to just quality quality fabrics. Do they have other fabrics over there besides silk? Oh, well, right now I'm only working on the cotton and silk. Uh, I'd like to eventually uh, find uh, a mill that produces, um, I don't know how you guys call it in the States, friendly silk, or just like it's the, it's this new way of making silk that is, is more uh, friendly to the, to the worms. Sustainable. Like it's not polyester, maybe the, they have a, roses that they're making silk out of there's two different flowers yeah, yeah there's that i think there's spider there's spider silk that's gonna now, there is. come out and there's I, the roses i heard from uh whitney cathart who owns a 3d look the body scanner she uh told me about i think it's called celeste or something, Celeste may be the owner of it, but it's roses that are made into silk. And it is natural and biodegradable and sustainable because I'm a person that's, I'm just anti-polyester and poly-made and petroleum. And there's going to be laws very soon that are going to prohibit that even to even be in fabric. It's going to be anywhere in the United States. And I understand in the UK, just uh, no. And there's so much technology these days that there's no reason to be buying and producing polyester uh, mm-hmm. the way that we are right now. And the silk I'm talking about, and I, unfortunately, I'm not finding the, the That's okay. Term, uh, but it is actually the, the silk worms, but I think it's the way that they, that they mm-hmm. let the silk worms um, produce the silk that is friendlier. Okay. So it's the process of making that sure. that's friendlier. That's so wonderful. That's that's truly for sure. You know, being part of the textile business, uh, I'm very conscious that textiles is a is a huge polluter, and that's why I'm also having my prints printed digitally. 
And, and I think this new technology is fabulous because when you print textiles, it takes a huge, huge amount of water and doing it digitally will reduce it. I mean, honestly, to, to almost nothing because okay. uh, they really don't have to wash it as much. It's not Fantastic. the same process to have them fixed on the fabric. So, you know, all of these things uh, are also things that are very important to me and that I make sure that the, the mills that I'm dealing with are, are, you know, in line with my values in those ways. Is there any way to do a digital print that also has some texture to it, like a raised surface or anything or that? No. No, no, not for now. But listen, the technology is going so fast. Yeah, not because be of the 3D printers, you know, they have exactly. the plastic shoes. Yeah. And I mean, I don't like plastic, but something yeah. I understand from Audette, who uh, you would be very interested in speaking to her. She's in Paris. Yeah. Well, she's actually in London right now. Uh, but Audette does, she buys uh, vintage clothes and remakes them into costumes and other clothes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That's actually uh, my mother's she, name, which is funny. That's why uh, my mom is called Ode. She's <laughs> going to become your third soul sister because okay. I just love her. <laughs> she was born in uh, Paris. Her heritage is West Africa okay. and she looks prettier than Naomi Campbell. I mean, she is like a knockout and she used to do all kinds of clothing for movies and all of that in Hollywood. She couldn't get out of there fast enough and get out of that cutthroat, fast-paced industry, but she's doing some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things. But she is also working on, um, and she's not a chemist by education, but she's in the lab trying to come up with new forms of fabrication chemically mm-hmm. fibers Amazing. that are washable and dryable or at least washable mm-hmm. because the only reason i mean i have a family that loves polyester because they don't like to iron and they don't like to pay for dry cleaning and my, one of my nephews used to work in a dry cleaners and the last thing he wants to do is dry clean his clothes and i've spoken to uh, one of the uh, merchandise managers at um, Masoni, Linda Coffee, and she said, people dry clean their clothes too much in America and you do not have to dry clean them. For the life of a garment, if you just air it out and, yeah. and wipe it off if you get something on it, you don't need to dry clean it. That is just a falsehood. So she's taught me a lot about that and about just uh, buying fewer things and better things and just... Yeah not having to dry clean them, you know? Yeah. And uh, well, the, the name actually came back to me as we were talking. So it's actually called Peace Silk. What uh, is it? It's called Peace Silk, the silk that I was referring P-E-A-C-E to. P-E-A-C-E? Yeah, or... really like peace, like the peace sign. Like <laughs> Oh, Peace Silk. Okay. Peace silk. I'll have to look yeah. for that. But, but I'm uh, but... very happy all of these fabrics are coming about. And me too. Me knowing too. South Korea, they're going to come up with something. Oh, that yeah. They're, they're very interested in technology. And, and I think, and what's wonderful is that you know, um, I've been dealing with them for a few months now, and it's truly like having somebody next to you. Like they answer so fast, they're so professional, and and we don't give credit to those countries enough because they've been they've been the ones producing the fabrics for us in America for the past, you know, 
that's a, maybe 20 years now because I used to be here 20, 25 years because my mother used to work in the textile industry when I was a teenager. And I remember when those doors closed and everything moved uh, to Asia. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, and I think that South Korea has been one of those countries that really stepped up and started making some beautiful, beautiful fabrics. For Absolutely. Us. Every since early, the late 70s, early yeah. 80s, when I was in New York in 79, 81, 2, 3, you know, they were just, they were the best. And my company had already been using them. And so they had been using them for a while, the silk, mm-hmm. da, Dong Ah silk. So that was the one we used. What is, um, oh, I see, yeah, and now I'm seeing all of your uh, merchandising, <laughs> buying, and yep. accessory designer. I've done so much. Lifestyle <laughs> for Lowly. Lole, Lole, which is like our Lululemon here in, in Quebec, Canada. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've dabbled a lot. You know, basically what happened is after 12 years at the Cirque du Soleil, I, I, because I'm, I'm so business focused and I'm just, I have this curious mind. I, you know, it was a little bit like leaving my parents' house. I had to go. I had, I, I don't want to say that I had seen it all, but I kind of had seen it all. I kind of had uh, done it all. And I wasn't growing anymore. And so I decided to leave. And it was not an easy decision. But uh, after the Cirque du Soleil, I entered more of the fashion industry. And I started being, I, I was first a quality control manager for Lole, this, uh, this lifestyle yoga brand. Um, and, and I dabbled a lot afterwards because I think once you leave a, a home like the Cirque du Soleil, that, that feels so cozy and and uh, and friendly then you enter this big bad world of fashion that's not as easy that uh, has uh, has its challenges and and it's also a wonderful industry don't get me wrong but it took me a long time to uh to feel comfortable and to feel home because at the Cirque du Soleil it was I was with all of these creative people all of the time and uh and when I switched to more of the business side of things, I entered the reality of what it is to do uh, productions in, in a larger scale. And because, again, Cirque du Soleil is piece by piece and fashion industry is larger scale um, collections and, and, uh, and it has its challenges. But I, I'm lucky enough that I've done so many roles in that industry that that's why I feel so equipped today to, to launch my own brand because I... I feel like I've um, I've I've gone so much out of those years of of being a merchandising manager and a buyer. And, yes. And yeah, and, and as I, you know, you've done it right, so you know exactly right. what those challenges are. But the when I got more into uh, the merchandising and product development. Uh, when I went to Specialty Stores Association in New York, which was a specialty store buying office where we had, you know, our group of stores, but we would also do things overseas like we did at Dong Ah. We also went to Japan, to Sanyo. We also went to various places in Hong Kong because uh, we could get it, land it and get, make a good markup on it and have such a high quality mm-hmm. uh based on the factories that we would use, you know, and even when uh, uh, 
it wasn't being done as much. And we were doing quality, not crap. And then marking it way up. And then by the time it's 80% off, they're still getting markup. No, we weren't doing that. I think that's just a travesty. But I would like to know, more importantly, uh, some of your maximal (laughs) fabric ideas. And I want to know where you best get your inspiration, because I'm reading on here that Art Deco and People and Satoshi Kondo and you like people. So let's talk a little bit about that because we don't have that much more time. We're running out of time. (laughs) Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Well, in the collection that's going to be launched in spring, there's this print of little ladies uh, dancing. I'm going to I'm going to show it to you. The viewers won't see it, but it's little ladies dancing. And basically, that that inspiration, that print came from uh, watching uh, the spring-summer 2019 show of Ise Miyake. I don't know if you've seen this one, but it's absolutely stunning. The girls are coming on the floor. They're, They're walking on the floor and they're basically in their underwear and they're what's the name of it again you saw it's called the it's called the spring summer uh fashion show 2019 of ise miyaki ise miyaki okay ise miyaki maybe i'm saying it with my no French no accent. you are but <laughs> you're probably saying it right but i say yeah. ise miyaki because <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the, the listeners will probably know uh, who i'm referring to Anyway, in this show, the girl, the the models are walking on the floor and they're basically in their underwear, and the the dresses drop from the sky and they get dressed like instantly, and then the music goes more upbeat and they start dancing with their dresses, and they have these little hats falling from the from the ceiling as well. Oh and wow! It, it, it's just so happy, and the dresses are bouncing around, and it's just so happy, and the movement is beautiful, and it made me smile. And I think I shared it with every single person I know when I once I have seen it. And then I was thinking about the next collection, and I was like, oh, that's exactly the type of um, feeling I want the, the collection to capture. And so basically, I redrew these little women like dancing next to each other. And so that's one of the prints that I, I, I feel like the print, uh, that's the main print. And then the collection kind of like turns around that print. And I do okay. love dancing and I do love movement. Uh, I've always enjoyed uh, drawing ladies. So, you know, I, that, that's always been something that, that, you know, just I, naturally comes to me. When I was a kid, I used to sit down and, and with fashion magazines and try to redraw the, the women in the fashion magazines. So and and so yeah so that's one of the focus prints and then all of the other prints on uh, that are uh, with the collection basically were inspired by the women in my life i i i had these ladies in my head and i was thinking well uh, you know what would my grandma uh you know want as a print what what type of flower does she like uh, yeah. what, what would my yeah. mother like yes my sister-in-law like so every time I would draw a new flower because it's basically a flower inspired collection with with the little ladies and every single print has a name so I have the dear Kimberly for my sister-in-law and she's such a bubbly colorful person so I I made the flowers a little bit more round and I love that it's super full and uh 
you know, uh, there's a more classic flower in here that's called Dear Erica. And that's for my sister, Erica, that's just has always like this very sophisticated look about her and like so put together. And so basically, like I dream up these these ideas and these feelings and I try to put those feelings inside of the prints and, yes. and hopefully people will feel it. I think it's really a feeling when, when it comes to prints and especially in maximalism, uh, as you were mentioning, I, I, I have a tendency to fill up my prints and they're very yeah. charged. I love it. <laughs> And I, and I'll work for hours on a very simple print. I'll work for hours and hours and hours on it because I just, I want to get that, that little thing, the, the, the leaf or the flower perfect. And it's all about the feeling and I get obsessed by it and I tweak yeah. it and change it. And <laughs> I, so, I hope that you'll be able to also as your fabrics are so fantastic, I hope you get recognition from it because I do I think <laughs> fabric people need to get more recognition. I mean, I think there's a fabric show going on right now in Los Angeles, yeah. and I, I think they've already had the one in Italy but um, or France, but I think well, it's you Italy. you guys have the magic show every year in, the, yeah. in Vegas, in the States. which is a big one. It's a really big one. Yeah. It's, do it's you ever come to fashion or do people come to yours in Canada from all over, or do you come do you ever show in uh new york or milan well actually uh it's a really good question i'm going to be showing next year in houston texas at okay. the quilt market the quilt market show this year i'm not showing this year i'm going as a non-looker i i really want to see what the booths look like i yeah i want to get a feeling for it and uh, next year, I want to nail it. <laughs> where Where is it in Texas? You said the what? It's what? in Houston. It's actually in Houston, Texas. Houston, uh, and it's called Quilt Market. Silk Market. Okay. No, quilt. Like quilt Market. Quilt. Like quilting. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, quilt, quilt Market. Market. Probably one of my cousins will be there. She's a quilter. Well, there you uh, go. So there you and go. Quilting yeah. is for making dresses too. It's for making accessories too. But for sure, the the the, the quilting fabric mm -hmm. is uh, is mm -hmm. the base fabric, and it's a beautiful yeah. cotton fabric. What about uh, fabrics with embellishment, like embroidery and applique and beadwork? Do you get involved in that for like so custom, I or is that a another part? No, that's a part that I have not gotten into. I did. I did recently have the idea uh, to to eventually create products that I could embroider over my prints to kind of like give them a, another dimension. Um, but uh, to 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 say the truth, I mean, I think I'm going to get there eventually. But right now, the focus is really on on the fabric. Uh, collection and hopefully the the beautiful people who will be buying the prints I hope will play around with them and and add those embellishments and send me pictures so I can see what they make with this because again the whole point of making textiles is you when you're a textile designer what you really want the, the very first thing you think about is the end user you want you you see that client and you want that client to buy your collection and I want talented people to to make beautiful things with my prints and uh, and as I said uh, before, to me they need to be used. I they they need to to uh, 
to get older, get stained. I don't care. They need mm-hmm. to, they need to live. They need to live. Absolutely. I just feel that, you know, of course we're in America and everybody likes denim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a real denim person, never have been, but I seem to like a little bit more dressy things. But uh, now that I'm retired, I'm in Tucson, I do like to be comfortable. And uh, now that I'm shrinking, I was five, seven and a half. Now I'm five, six. I'm not too happy about that. And I actually had to hem some things because I didn't believe it. I just like they don't know how to measure me. They don't have the right <laughs> measuring. I haven't shrunk. I haven't shrunk. But it makes a difference. Every inch matters on how long your top should be, how long your pants yes. can be, and the proportions that you can wear. Yeah. And uh, not and not to get into detail about this, but I do like uh pretty colors i mean i went all when i was young it was just black 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 and i know i have black on today too black 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 but as i'm aging and there's enough sad shit around the world and every way you look yeah i just like to wear a color sometimes just wear Mm -hmm. whether it's a beautiful it's a beautiful gold a beautiful burgundy or a teal or a um, I just bought this kind of magenta pink color and a purple. And even though I just have a few of them and they're jackets (laughs) and they're in silk because (laughs) and also for Tucson, you don't want anything too heavy because even in the winter, you're lucky if it gets to 50. You know, yeah, it's I mean? not like here. <laughs> yeah, no. And a lot of times it's 70 all through the winter. So yeah. love the silk and love the patterns. If I can find them in like a silk, a silk uh, organza jackets, yeah. I bought a few. They were hand painted. They were expensive, but oh, my mother just loved them. And yeah. I bought her a couple of silk patterned jackets uh, that were one of a kind they also were what i consider expensive six hundred dollars yeah that was a little pricey but then i could never get her more it's pricey but they last forever they do and the quality is there so sometimes it's it's worth uh, spending every dime i'd rather spend more Uh, i mean to me that is a good price for what i'm getting you know i think that's a good price for what i'm getting and Actually, even 800 isn't bad. But then when it gets into 2,500 and 3,500, you know, I will pay that for a structured designer black wool gabardine jacket. I will pay that because I'm going to wear that jacket forever. You know, it's going to be a piece that you're going to carry with you. And but what's really interesting about what you were saying about, you know, uh, you know, Color. wearing prints and not a lot of, not, not everybody likes to wear prints, but I think it's also, you know, your show is called the the space of the waste. You know, I think, I think prints, depending on their scale can really make somebody uh, look, you know, longer, longer smaller, longer. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that, that space between the bus down to the waist, I call the space of the waist. I'm yeah. short waisted. So my whole life I had to find clothes, no seam in the middle, nothing that cut me in half, no two tones and mm-hmm. a print that 
is knitted or a dress that's made without a belt and without a seam across there because yeah. I don't want to have five inches above the waist where this the waist is too long. Then I have yeah. a slew of friends that are long waisted, but they have <laughs> short legs. And yeah. so they cut off miles of fabric on the bottom and they just wish they had it in the waist because they're nine inches from under the bus down to the waist. They have like nine inches. Whereas I have like three and a half, maybe four, but it's just a problem. And But I recently bought four printed Marnie dresses on YOOX marked down in silk. Yeah, It's hard to find silk because everybody's doing polyester. But <laughs> even at $700 $800, and these were marked and marked and marked down, size 10s, marked down to $400. So that's how I was buying them. So I bought those four. And then I found black dresses by The Row, uh, the Olsen twins. They have a mm. line called The Row, R-O-W. Okay. And I was able to find four black dresses from them. But no, they weren't 400. They were 1,700. And I had at my birthday and I told John, you just bought me eight dresses. Don't freak out. You could have had a car. <laughs> but whatever. This is what I did because you can never find no waste Unless yeah. it's in some crappy polyester or some crappy uh, or, or just knitted. And, yeah. you know, it's warm here. So I didn't want everything knitted. I have those already, the knitted clothes and that body conscious and all that. And I'm actually wanting to get away from that a little bit as I age because yeah. not so much because of weight, but your weight shifts and also your skin starts to sag and yeah. uh, it's not fat. It's just your skin sags. And if you have, it just doesn't tighten up and it's just part of aging. I've been to doctors. I've been to, you know, <laughs> plastic surgeons. And they said, I wish I had a million dollars for every woman that came in about that bra fat by your Well, you're bus. beautiful, though. You're absolutely <laughs> stunning. So Thank enough you. of you. No, honestly. And that's the thing. I think, I think as women, we get to age and. And be as graceful as these men that we always call sophisticated yeah. when they get older. <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but what I yeah, you, yeah, I was just gonna tell you that your prince, yeah, and I think as you age, a straight-lined printed dress is very attractive on me. Absolutely. And I think it's attractive if you're long-waisted, you can put a belt on there. You can put a big yeah. old wide corset belt if you want. But I can wear it straight and with long beads or a collection of necklaces and make that look fantastic. So yeah. I'm all about the prints now. And I've never worn prints. My mother didn't like prints. My grandma didn't like, you know, you grow up with that. But then all of a sudden, you're, when you get older like me and you're 50 and over, all of a sudden, you've never worn prints. So all mm -hmm. of a sudden, they look darn good to me, as do stripes going this way. Yeah. And, you know, the Masoni type thing going yeah, the ver vertical, vertical yeah. not horizontal. I don't care if yeah. it costs more and use more fabric. Get yeah. that going vertically. Give me a stripe going vertical. What I personally find beautiful is you, you keep on mentioning silk. I think a really lovely way to bring in some pattern in your life while still 
you know, getting the shapes with your clothing is, you know, just a beautiful silk scarf thrown yes. over your shoulders. Uh, yeah. Or even I like to tie it around uh, my purse. Yeah. You know, like just mm -hmm. that little added yeah. accent. Or around your waist. Around, I mean, or or around hip, your waist as a belt. area. Yeah. Or Absolutely. blouse tied around, you know, tied. Or, or even the loose blouse, or I, I think we call those also the dusters, like those yes. long yeah, 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 blouses yeah, yeah. I love that with prints. That over a beautiful, you know, black yeah. dress or even a, yes. uh, you know, I whatever. It, it will really, I think also it, it detracts yes. sometimes from the things that you like, like less about your body. Mm -hmm. And it focuses on the beautiful print. So people notice more the beautiful yes. print than, and I you know. And I like to call those sliver coats because they're so oh. thin. Yes. I look for them in silk, silk, a matte silk or a silk organza or a, a washed silk organza or just silk Georgette, yeah. you know. You know, Absolutely. I don't particularly want them to be shiny. I think that adds weight. That's just me. I, I, I agree with you. And I just find that it doesn't look as sophisticated when it's yeah. shiny. And I yeah. think if you want to do shine, do it in a top under a gabardine jacket. Just a hint, you know, yeah. a beautiful color would be good. But I don't yeah. want a whole jacket made out of it. But we have only six minutes left. Is there anything else you'd like to say, uh, Natalie, or something I forgot to mention? Well, listen, uh, what would I like to talk about? Well, honestly, um, you know, maybe we can talk a bit about uh, how I basically, you know, fell in love with fashion as a child. I don't know if you're interested. In yeah, that I wouldn't. And, and my listeners love stories. So let's have well, it. There you go. So basically, um, my my mother met her, her now partner. They've been together, I think now for for a very long time, 40 years. She met him when I was eight years old. And uh, his name is Andre. And uh, Andre owned uh, owned fashion stores, um, and so basically a dream for a little girl. <laughs> so I, I fell in love with him really quickly too, because he had this. Well, first of all, a very very keen eye to choose beautiful pieces, and uh, his store was always impeccable, super super well kept. And um, you know, I spent I spent my childhood in there. And basically, you know, I would go, you know, I would walk to the store after school in the week, uh, during the weeks, and I would go on the weekends. And I started working there uh, as a young kid, very young, around 12 years old, I would say. I started actually, you know, serving the clients and, and, um, and just being there and, to, you know, helping the ladies find the right blouse. And, and eventually he even started bringing me uh, to shop and to shop for the new collections because he thought I had a good eye. So he's like, oh, well, maybe you can come to Montreal with me. I'm going to go find, you know, uh, the clothes for this season. And so basically I, I was introduced to that world uh, very, very young. And I'm, I'm very grateful that, uh, that he entered my life at such a young age. And I think everything that I do today is very much focused on everything that I learned as a kid. You know, I learned from him how to run a business. I learned from him what's pleasing to the eye, what does the customer want, how to listen to your customer, you know, um, and basically uh, gave me a true, true love for fashion. 
and a true love for for anything that's uh, that's design and and of course now I'm following the the road of print design. Um, but like I said previously, I have many dreams right now. I'm doing my quilting collections, and that's going to be something that's going to be recurring. I'm going to be you know coming out with two or three collections of my quilting fabrics every year. But adding to that, I have more dreams coming and. And the silk one is definitely one that's going to be uh, in, you know, present in the next few years. And, and like I said, building a brand, what I really want to do, and a few people are doing this right now. I, I'm thinking about Karen Maybon in, uh, in the UK. Um, you know, what I'd love to build is, is a loungewear uh, collection of silk printed uh, you know, basically PJs, but PJs that are wearable for supper. So basically you take the top of your PJ and you wear it with a nice, I know you say you didn't like jeans. I personally kind of adore jeans, but so, yeah. you know, wear it. Wear it well, I'm, nice I'm liking them better. I just wore so many for <laughs> so long, the skinny jeans. Yeah. Now I like the fit and flare and the kind of banana exactly. leg. Exactly. Now, now they do it. Uh, now I, so I like them ways. better because you can wear heels yeah. with them or a little stacked shoe. And Exactly. And what I, what I envision in my head is people wearing these beautiful silk pieces, but not only in the house, but I hope that they're going to take them out of the yes. house. Yes. Oh, I think they them. will. Yeah. And wear them casually, you know, out for supper and, uh, and so that's that's the next dream. Uh, I think it'll do very well. Alila, uh, Alaya, she is a stylist in New York, yeah. and she was scheduled to be on the show. She's sick right now, so hopefully she'll be able to be on the show later in the year or next year. But she did a styling that she showed me where she did this very thing. She used yeah. the pajama top with evening bags and bell bottoms of some sort and beautiful shoes and jewelry and these girls were going out and they had the piping on the jacket oh, and the piping yeah you need the piping <laughs> and it was just fabulous I thought hey yeah. that's even something I would wear you know yeah. absolutely so the, those are the dreamy things that I'm thinking of right yeah. now but uh but yeah absolutely there's just so many ways to use uh prints and fabrics and yeah, sky's the you limit, bet. and I'm a dreamer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a good company to pay a part of the population that needs paying attention to are the 50 and over. And they're kind of neglected because everybody goes for the 20-year-old mm-hmm. to the 40-year-old, which is also yeah. important because they're going to work. But... A lot of retirees are on a set income, but some of my, the stores in town here and some of the designers that I know, they have clients from New York, Great Britain, Italy, and when those ladies get their check, they want to buy some clothes. And so they're buying new and different things that they haven't ever had before. And I say that as someone that's in that age bracket, um, (laughs) actually older than they are. But I am just discovering prints because I never did it. I did a stripe now and then, but basically didn't do prints. And now I'm just finding, especially when your silhouette is simple, just a straight 
find looks best on me with a long or three-quarter length sleeve and a rounded neckline up higher because it kind of elongates everything or v-neck or it could even be button front with a collar. I like all different necklines, actually. Well, for me, it's also about the layering. You know, you, you don't always want to necessarily buy a big, bold print and people just look at you and just see a big print. It's nice when it's a beautiful blouse underneath a beautiful jacket. Yeah, exactly. There's it, like a hint of it, a hint of it. Or right even there. a vest. Some people yes. are putting vests over everything. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we are <laughs> out of time and I'm getting a dinging going on. So that means uh, our time is up, Natalie. I just want to thank you so much for coming on The Space of the Waste. And I, good luck with everything that you were doing and i will look on your websites check you out and look at your fabrics and i just can't wait to follow you and know all the beautiful things that you're going to be doing in the future please keep in touch i will absolutely keep in touch and melody i want to thank you because this was fabulous what a wonderful conversation and thank you so much for reaching out and uh this was Uh, this was a pleasure Well, thank you again. I read all about you and checked you out. And I said, she's got to come on my show. She's real (laughs) creative. She's one of those people that thinks outside of the box and invents a new box. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. We're signing off until next time. Thank you for listening to The Space of the Waste. Please join host Melody Edmondson again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next time.